What is it about me? I want to know, what is it about me that grates on you? I do not pretend to recall the exact words we hurled at one another after my challenge, but I remember the tone and thrust of them, and here's how they stayed with me. You wouldn't understand, he said. Try me. He cut a look at me, shrugged, and then stared back. You're just so out of touch. With what? With my whole world. You hate everything that's fun. You hate television and movies and video games. You hate my music. I like some of your music. I just don't like it that loud. You hate advertising. You hate billboards and lotteries and developers and logging companies and big corporations. You hate snowmobiles and jet skis. You hate malls and fashion and cars. Are you still on my case because I wouldn't buy a Jeep? Forget Jeeps. You look at any car and all you think of is pollution, traffic, roadside crap. You say fast food's poisoning our bodies, TV's poisoning our minds. You think the internet is just another scam for selling stuff. You think a business is a conspiracy to rape the earth. None of that bothers you? (laughs) Of course it does. But that's the world. That's where we've got to live. It's not going to go away just because you don't approve. What's the good of spitting on it? I don't spit on it. I grieve over it. What's the good of grieving if it can't change anything? Who says you can't change anything? You do. Maybe not with your mouth, but with your eyes. Your view is totally dark. It bums me out. You make me feel the planet's dying and people are to blame and nothing can be done. Maybe you can get by without hope, but I can't. I've got a lot of living to do. So you could see it was a thought that was behind their disagreement, an important thought. And look how important it was for the dad, because you just feel that he learned something significant from his son. How do we, west of the Rockies, have those conversations with our children where they feel we are ready to learn from them? How do we respect their thinking even though it's in process? Our children can change their thoughts daily the way they change their clothes, and we should not remind them. We should always ask them what they believe. We should ask them their opinions, and we should be interested in their world. They should be able to think anything they like, just about, (laughs) just about. But they should not be able to just do anything they like. I remember our son saying to us, you know, when I'm older, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have a TV in every room, and I'm gonna have cable, and I'm gonna get ESPN1 and ESPN2 and home team sports. So that's great, I know you love sports and I know you'll do this, but in our house we are not gonna have these TVs. Why? You're so weird. Well, you know, we think if we have a TV, you won't read. So we're not going to have one. He said, you know, I just can't believe you. That's fine. I know when you go grow up, he does. He just bought the home team baseball package, right? (laughs) He does it. But he called us a while back and he said to me, he said, I can't believe you guys have gotten to me. I said, what's the matter? He said, I've read two books in the last month. (laughs) You know, with teenagers, there'll be times when we will feel that they haven't gotten anything. But it's not true. You know, through what we do with them, through the heartfelt connections we make, and through the conversations we have, which will occur at all hours, 
Our children will talk more after 11 o'clock than we ever imagined. So we should wait up for them. Make sure they come in on time. Have something for them to eat and be willing to listen. Our son used to come home from college. He lived about, he was at six hours away at school. As a typical teenager, he'd leave about seven o'clock at night. About 1.30, we'd hear the door open and he would march in and sit on the bed and start telling us about his semester. You've got to be willing to listen when our children speak. It's in those lines of communication that we learn so much from them. And so we take our kids west of the Rockies to this dramatic region, a region with glaciers and deserts and volcanoes, some of which erupt without any warning, like Mount St. Helen, others which erupt regularly, like Old Faithful, we will come to wide stretches of open, barren land where communication, especially if we have boys, is minimalistic. How was your day? Fine. Right? What did you do? Nothing. Right? We will come to fault lines, right? And whose fault will it be? Always our fault. But eventually we will reach this wonderful state of California, which I think is like college. I mean, where else can you step out in the street and cars just stop? Right? <laughs> this glorious weather that you have. You know, college can be, it can be as wild as Hollywood. It can be as stimulating as Berkeley. It can be as charming as San Francisco. It can be everything. And we, like those early prospectors who arrived in California for the gold rush, will pay great sums of money for what we need. And that's why college costs so much. Colleges know how desperate we are to give our children independence. Until we work this out, they will charge $40,000 and more for the thing that we have to have, which is a chance for our children to stand on their own. But we will see them journey through college to the very end of this country. And whether we start to see those trees thin at Port Reyes or through Muir Woods or through Golden Gate Park, we start to see this ocean where our children stand in independence and we'll find that the journey across country has gone too quickly. I remember standing in the parking lot at our son's college when we took him to school, and I stood there with tears in my eyes, and he looked at me and he said, don't worry, Dad, I'll be home in six weeks. But I knew he'd never be back, and he really wasn't. You know, he came home the first fall break, spring break, and then he stopped coming home at fall break, and he stopped coming home at spring break, and then summer job was away. And then he met a young woman and moved to Atlanta. He lives down there now. It's a family, two children. See too little of him. A wonderful guy, but he's gone. Yeah, I know, it happens again, right? And it happens so soon. We have this wonderful journey of taking our children from one coast to the other. It has these three distinct regions, and each one will ask something different of us. Remember the turning point, and remember that all the habits and patterns we want to give to our children, we work to give them to them before the Missouri. And then after that, it's a wonderfully dramatic ride. <laughs> I wish you all good travels on your journey. Thank you.